It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means uh, coming up in about an hour, we'll have uh, armchair politics for two hours of commentary and analysis on uh, local, state, national headlines from the worlds of politics and current events with our panel of political pundits, which includes our roundtable regulars, uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, and on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Uh, They'll be joined by a best-selling author and a recent guest on the show. Um, He's author of the... uh, of the book um, Preacher Raises the Dead. It's a thriller. And um, he's uh, had several award-winning mystery thrillers and uh, other literary fiction. Gerald Everett Jones wants to join the round table today and uh, he was a lot of fun when he was on the show. So we should uh, we should have a pretty good chat going on. And we're going to open up this uh, first hour with uh, a very interesting uh, conversation with uh, uh, Terry, let's see, make sure I get his name right, Jastro. And uh, he's uh, an Emmy Award winning uh, filmmaker, but he wrote a book, a very interesting uh, tale, in which he supposes that uh, a former president, George W. Bush, is playing golf in Scotland when he's grabbed and, and arrested and taken to The Hague to face charges for um, an illegal war in uh, the Middle East. And... Um, it's it's called the trial of uh, George W. Bush. Anyway, we'll hear all about that coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. But we have some fun stuff coming up uh, later this week on uh, Friday. We're going to um, oh Friday is going to be a great show. Sean Cantwell is coming back. He used to do news and and co-produce the show and was. Uh, uh, filled in for me occasionally, and he launched a uh, a new internet radio station, uh, Solid State Radio, based in Lapeer, and um, started doing his show, Armchair Athletes, from there. 
and um, he's going to uh, join me Friday morning during the first hour of the show for a little um, pre-Super Bowl 56 hijinks. We're going to um, it's it's pretty unusual when I dedicate time to talk sports on the Tom Sumner program, but if I were, um, you know, in some ways it's um, kind of a make good because I used to call on Tom Skinner for that, and he passed away last year, and uh, so Sean is uh, is is a, a great replacement um, for our. Super Bowl pregame this Friday. We're also going to talk with uh, Amazon has a, a new Reacher series based on the Jack Reacher character created by Lee Childs. And we're going to talk with Hugh Thompson, who plays a uh, key role in, in Amazon's production, which is now streaming, um, called Reacher. Hugh Thompson, a Canadian actor, will be with us on Friday. Plus, we'll meet the new director of the Flint River Watershed Coalition. Anyway, stay tuned. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is uh, the winner of seven Emmy Awards for his work as a television uh, producer and director for ABC Sports, and he's written a book called The Trial of George W. Bush. <laughs> We're going to find out what those two things have to do with each other from my guest this hour, Terry Jastrow, who joins me by phone. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. My pleasure to join you. How do you go from winning Emmys for sports television uh, direction and production to writing basically a historical novel? Well, I had the great good fortune of um, starting my life at ABC Sports right after I graduated from college because in those days ABC Sports did the uh, uh, three of the major golf tournaments and a lot of the PGA Tour events. Uh, and the president of ABC Sports uh, was a, a man by the name of Rune Arledge. And uh, he, he, he is the guy who created uh, a Wide World of Sports along with Jim McKay, ABC's Wide World of Sports, you know, spanning the globe to bring a constant variety. Of yeah, I remember, I remember them both. Yes. And, 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 and so to, to come to the answer of your question, Rune was a great storyteller. He was a very literate man. He was a very articulate man. He was had a huge personality. He was tons of fun to be with, uh, and 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 he was a great storyteller. And so, uh, as as a young producer uh, at, at ABC, I think I think I started producing at something like age seventy four, because uh, again, Rune had uh, three of the four major championships and a lot of the great PGA Tour events, like the Bing Crosby and the LA Open, and the list goes on. Um, and none of his his, his producers uh, played golf. They were great producers, and they would produce wide world sports and college football, but none of them played golf. And anybody knows anything about golf, uh, you got to know something about it, if not a lot about it, to be able to capture the, the story at any one time. So um, uh, he elevated me very quickly. We became friends, started playing golf together. He ev elevated me quickly. And uh, so I was, became a producer at ABC at age 24. And you were and so, the youngest producer. 
Uh, the young, youngest, yes. So, so said the PR people at ABC Sports in those days, <laughs> probably so. But so I was saddled up with Jim McKay and uh, Chris Schinkel and Howard Cosell and, uh, and, and people who uh, really understood st- storytelling and communication. Uh, and I just, I just tried to, to provide whatever guidance uh, I could and then shut up and let them do their thing. And, and they were great and helpful and informative. And that was the basis of my approach uh, and beginning as a storyteller. And and then what was it about this particular story? And, and, and I suppose we should probably give a little synopsis of, of the book. Um, yeah, my, my pleasure. So The Trial of George W. Bush is a novel set in the future in which George W. Bush is basically kidnapped and transported to the International Criminal Court in The Hague to stand trial for war crimes that he may or may not have committed in connection with the Iraq War. That's the, na- that's the, nature, that's the nature of the book. He actually, he actually gets kidnapped off the 17th hole of the old course in St. Andrews, Again, this is a fiction. <laughs> he gets, he gets uh, uh, kidnapped. He loves to play golf, and one well, can imagine he might be over there playing, and the, and the uh, International Criminal uh, Court uh, uh, police would, might have been tipped off, and they, 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 they nab him, the kidnapping very quickly, uh, anesthetizing, knock him out, put him in a van, and, and take him away within minutes from the International Criminal Court. So that's in Scotland. What hall? And, uh, and uh, and uh, you know jets uh, to take him to uh, the Hague, and and you know within you know something like less than an hour, he's being sub- uh, uh, registered in as a printer, pr- prisoner at the International Criminal Court. And then of course he gets all of this. He's allowed to get his attorneys, and they do, they do they they give him all the rights. And, uh, and, and we start the trial. Uh, and I I always loved uh, trials and and such. And so uh, I, I did a ton of research. I love to research. I don't consider that labor. I consider that art. Because, you know, the best, especially when you tell stories like I like to tell, the more uh, 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 accurate it is, authentic it is, the more, the more interested it is to, is to the reader. If it's plausible, they're going to say, what the hell? This, this, is, this is possible. And, and coming to the end of this little essay, Tom, the, uh, the International Criminal Court, uh, uh, the, the laws are that a person is subject to arrest and trial until the day he dies. So George W. Bush is uh, like, uh, you know, 74 or so. I, I've got, uh, how, how, how long I know George in our early days together is an interesting story, but let me keep going. George is, I think, 74 or 75. So he is subject to arrest and a trial for until the day he dies, which could be you know another fifteen years or so. So there's no statute of limitations. There is no statute of limitations in international crime. And and you know what, he's snatched off the golf course. What hole? Seventeenth hole, the the road hole, the one that goes to the right. The, the Jigger Inn. It's a very known, very known watering hole. A little bar, little restaurant in bar. 
and they 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 park. It's very very logistically possible. They couldn't but, wait till no he thing. finished his eighteen and and take him at the clubhouse, Terry. Oh hell no! He'd, he'd have too many people around there. No, they, they, they the, 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 there's not even a fence between the right edge, the right rough of the 17th fairway, and the parking lot of the Jigger Inn. There's there's these little uh, round wooden stumps just to, uh, that's uh, that are set about you know six six feet apart so cars don't drive on the old course. Other than that, you know the the, the old course belongs to the people. Not a private club. It's very much a public uh, a club, and it belongs to the people of St Andrews. So they walk out there with their dogs, and and all they walk around all the time. They have just as much right on there as the golf course. So it's easy to get on, and that was the basis of how I could do a, a plausible uh, abduction of him. Because if I I, I did, couldn't figure out that, the rest of the book wasn't going to make any sense. Right, right, and and I would be a little bit curious how the uh, the arresting officers got past uh, Secret Service. They there there were Secret Service. They 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 were very well studied uh, in advance, and there were enough uh, uh, international uh, uh, you know uh, police involved and and and. Uh, uh, military and the, the International Criminal Court has its own military um, um, involved. So they had enough people and they targeted, they, they, they started watching Bush's uh, uh, game when he teed off and so they knew who his uh, bodyguards were and, and his people and they targeted him. By the time uh, they, uh, they, the, the, the group got around to the 17th hole, Everybody knew exactly what they were going to do to neutralize Bush's uh, 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 entourage and capture him uh, safely without turn, uh, 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 injuring him or hurting him in any way and transporting him to the International Criminal Court uh, uh, prison uh, in The Hague. You know, there were a lot of people here in the U.S. that... that uh, um had issues with the fact that um, George W. Bush, uh, then president, um, sent troops into Iraq. And and I remember even a Saturday Night Live sketch where they were making fun of the fact that no weapons of mass destruction were found. Yes. So let, do you remember that? <laughs> I do. But Tom, let, let's talk about this because you you started this 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 subject by saying a lot of people thought it was curious or unusual or it was confusing. Why why the Iraq War? But let's talk about this because it's 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 central to this point. Okay. Sure. Nine eleven occurred in two thousand one, September two thousand one. Right. Okay. And, and, and George Bush was president. So obviously the burden and challenge of him avenging 9-1 as the president of the United States was job one. So, and where was Osama bin Laden? Everybody knows that Osama bin Laden was, was hiding in Afghanistan. More with author Terry Jastro straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Terry Jastrow straight ahead. Bush sent troops in order to try to get uh, Osama bin Laden. Now, that, that's, that's a movie in itself, but the facts are, the history is, he couldn't get him. And he couldn't get him after months. So Bush and his critics, Rumsfeld and Cheney, and by the way, when I say George W. Bush, I mean George W. Bush, uh, 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 Dick Cheney, and, and Donald Rumsfeld. His administration. They were partners in crime. Okay. But in the international criminal law, the single person most responsible is brought to trial first. That's, that, that's a mandate, if possible, in, I guess if George wasn't around, they could go after Dick Cheney and, and, and uh, uh, Donald Rumsfeld. But, but George was the guy. So they couldn't, they couldn't get Osama bin Laden. And there was a drumbeat for war. And they panicked in the sense that they had turned their attention to Saddam Hussein in Iraq, who had nothing to do with the 9-11 attacks. It, nothing to do. And it, the thing is, George's father uh, had fought a war uh, with Saddam Hussein. To push him know, out of Kuwait. Kuwait, right. And he, he hated uh, Saddam Hussein. So... He panicked when he couldn't get uh, 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 Osama bin Laden. I say panic. Somebody else is welcome to come up with another word. But the point is, he turned the attention of him, his attention and the attention of the U.S. military away from bin Laden and for and to and to Saddam Hussein and started his uh, the, the Iraq War in March of 2003. Uh, uh, and, and, and finally, you know, Bush, when I, it just ran its course. But I used to know the numbers by heart. It's in the book. But I, I, I've even kind of tried to dismiss them from, from my mind because they're so horrific. The number of American soldiers killed, I think that's something like four or 5,000 killed in Bush's war, and in, in, in modern days, uh, 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 war wounds, because the, the protection is so uh, comprehensive for soldiers, uh, 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 wars and fighting wounds human beings more than kills them. So there was like four or 5,000 people killed, but there's like 20,000 people wounded in Bush's war, along with a million Iraqi people killed in that war. And on top of that, if that's not enough, he spent an ungodly amount of money. I, again, I used to know that it was something like $300 billion on his war. And for what purpose? Now, if, if there's not a crime in that, in terms of the, 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 the killing of people, and the, the you know the mis, misuse use of, judge, of justice and uh, exploiting this presidency and whatever else the, the legal uh, rudiments are, I, I I couldn't I just couldn't not call this to attention, and and the, the final 
sentence to the answer to your question is, because the Bush can get away with it, others can as well. You mentioned a little bit ago, Terry, that, that you got to know George Bush a little bit. Yeah, this is an interesting story. George Bush, George Bush's daddy, George H.W. Uh, uh, Bush, was an oil man in Midland, Texas in the 50s. And so was my dad, or my daddy. They knew each other. And, and George and I played Little League against each other. Really? Yes. He, he was on the Cubs, and he, played, he, was a, he was a catcher on the Cubs. And I played on a team called the Braves. We played a little league, little league against each other, and my mother, who came to all the games, she used to be amazed at George. He, he, by the way, even back then, he had a terrific personality. You'd, you'd come up to bat, and he was like, "Hey, Jastro, we're go, you're, you're not going to hit this ball. You're going to get your, you know, he's he was, he's so gregarious, and, and there's nobody better at a party." <laughs> Right. But he's very, very. He's a. He has a beautiful personality. He's tons of fun. Uh, nobody can take that away from him. But the thing that my mother used to be amazed at. So he's a catcher, and he's all. He's stooped down. He's in a catcher's position. He used to be able to spit through the catcher's mask across the 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 uh, uh, <laughs> plate. Uh, he spit through the catcher's, catcher's mask and across the plate uh, with ease. He, could, he would spit all the time. It's not a, it's not a little off color, but uh, how many people can do that? We'll just call it inside baseball. Inside baseball. And finally, uh, uh, when I was at the University of Houston, I dated a, a, a really nice lady. And he did, this is, by the way, years before Barbara. I'm uh, sorry, years before Laura. But I dated a, a, a really nice girl at, when I was at the University of, Tech, of Houston, and, and he dated uh, her sister. So we, we, we would see each other when we would pick him up. I think we maybe even went on a date or two together. So I, I, I'd known him, you know, uh, for all along. And then uh, later, when he was uh, governor of the state of Texas, and Ann and I were down in Austin doing something, I would think I was producing a golf tournament for ABC or something. Uh, I called, and uh, his assistant said, "George, George, just get your ass in here. There's Ann in town." And I said, and "He said, well, get, you know, come see him." So, uh, like the next morning at nine o'clock, Ann and I show up at the uh, at the governor's office in Austin, and we're sitting in the rating room. And at nine o'clock on the nose, George, you know, busts into the rating room. You know, it was about a, I don't know, 30 or 40 walk across from his door to where Ann and I were sitting in the couch. And he said, Jastro, how the hell are you? But actually, I don't really want to know about you anymore. I want to meet Ann. And, oh, you know, BS, BS. And then we went into his office, and, and he, uh, he plopped this beautiful, expensive, black, well-polished cowboy boots on the... On the on the governor's desk and put his hands over his, his back behind his thing and we sat there for an hour talking and all he wanted to know about is Ann and movies and you know uh, how, how do you do it and do you get nervous all that stuff and anyway that, he's, a, he's a really fun guy and it kind of breaks my heart that you know that a guy who I was so fond of uh, you know would wage a war that would so bad that it would motivate me to have to write 
uh, you know, a novel about it. Well, let me let me ask about that because um, this isn't this isn't the president's trial or the trial of an American president. This is the trial of George W. Bush. Correct. Did you have to get any special uh, permissions or? Any kind of indemnification? Have you had any feedback from W about what he thinks of the book? No, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, there, 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 there's two answers. One, I don't know whether George has ever read it. I'm, I, I, I don't. I, I'm gonna. I, I, I don't even know he knows about it, frankly. But I'm gonna guess somebody told him about it. I haven't. I, he hasn't communicated with me, and I haven't communicated with him. But I, I'm, I, I guess he probably knows about it. I would assume he's not read it. Uh, but here's the answer to your question. Public figures are in the public domain. Okay. You don't have, you know, if a guy's the president of the United States or if a guy's, I don't know, Frank Sinatra or, uh, you know, Shakira or, you know, or uh, Tom Brady to some extent, uh, you know, people write about them. They're 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 in the public. Uh, they 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 can't copyright everything they do. Uh, and finally, you know, George uh, George did it as president. Of what he did as a president of the United States. So that doesn't mean they're not culpable for what they did, even though they're no longer in the office. But because of his public figure status, and actually as president, he's fair game. Did yeah, you he can write lovely things about, you know, a lot of presidents write their own, but I think he's written this book. But people write, you know, they write different things about different people, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to go seek rights. It's, it's in the, the story is in the public domain. Um, did you give that any, any thought because you knew him, because you knew the family a little bit, that were you uncomfortable telling this story at all? No, no. I, I can tell you that I I vetted it with my attorneys here. Uh, my wife and I had some really great t- attorneys here, and uh, we studied it within an inch of inch of our inch of its life to uh, satisfy ourselves. We had every le- 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 legal jurisdiction on our side for me to proceed with the research and writing of the novel. And and I'm curious why you selected a, a novel with your television background. Why you wouldn't think of maybe doing a screenplay? Well, I hope. I <laughs> thank you very much. I hope somebody wants to make a movie out of it. It should be made into a movie. It would it would be a great uh, uh, long form television program. A great long form tele- te- te- television. Program and uh, some some of my friends and my some and my and my attorney and somebody said if you were going to do a multiple episode uh, about it, which it would take. I mean, you know, I don't know how long the the book is, but forty something thousand words, fifty something thousand words. Uh, it would be a multiple episode series, but I would I would mount it as as if it were happening actually as if it were happening. I, in other words, the script of the screenplay or the script of the multiple episode television event is the novel. The novel is the script. 
So you'd shoot it like live television. Absolutely. It would be a, can you imagine? It would be like, can you imagine if this actually happened? The news coverage on it? George W. Bush is playing golf on the, 18, on the 17th hole at St. Andrews and gets abducted? That would be on every news channel in all the world in less than an hour. Less yeah. than an hour. Yeah, I think that would qualify. It would, yeah. it would actually qualify as breaking news. Yeah, oh, you, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and you know, the next day they discovered that he was helicoptered in the cover of night and he's in the International Criminal Court. How long would that be? <laughs> How long would it take that to get out as a news break? And now you've got the attention of all the world. What the hell is going to happen? But that, that, that's, that's what the novel is. That would be, the novel would be the screenplay uh, or the, uh, the, the multiple episode uh, script. Has that, has that ever, um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, Terry, maybe this didn't come up in your research, but has there ever been a, a time when the Hague pulled in um, a a country's leader, like not e- a major company, not 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 a major company, equal not, to none of the equal you know, to the, a president. The, yeah, yeah, no, no, you know, not 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 certainly not the United States or you know any of the European countries or Russia or China. You know, ha- hasn't done it yet. Doesn't mean they couldn't, and it doesn't mean they shouldn't. Uh, uh, but they haven't yet. Well, Frankly, and- uh, you know, I wish the International Criminal Court, which uh, is if in La- in New York, the head the headquarters of it, the the, the court, the, the international, uh, 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 the U. I'm sorry, the UN, because the, U- the International Criminal Court is a body underneath the UN, the United Nations, created by the United Nations and sanctioned by it. Uh, but the court, of course, is, is in The Hague. But uh, listen, uh, you know, if, if, the, if the United Nations finds, and the United Nations has a security force, as you know, I think they have like light blue helmets, but if they find somebody guilty of crimes, they have no choice to bring him in and put him on trial, and they would do it at the International Criminal Court. Is, is there a, a, a warrant-issued... Um is is there an official yes. process? Yes, yes. It, 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 uh, uh, international criminal law drawn up by lawyers. It replicates uh, uh, laws that you would find in the UK or the United States or other you know civilized law-abiding countries. Fairly simple and similar. Well, this is fascinating. Is this something? Um, have you always had an interest in in history and and politics and blending those things, doing historic novels? No, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that. I've always been interested in storytelling, though. History is whatever. I guess you could say you you find a lot of great stories, or where else? You know, if you yeah I, yeah history, and uh, that's fine. It's just. It's just storytelling. I love to read. I love to hear good stories. I try to tell tell stories I think are good. I just love the art of it. Uh, you know, it's it's a great art, uh, way of entertaining people, and at the same time informing people. 
and sometimes even galvanizing people. It's just a great form. And I sit here alone in my study, writing it in, in, you know, in solitude in the hopes that you know, 10 people, 10,000 people, 100,000, 10 million read it. But then again, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, it's a fascinating subject. What's, what's next for you, Terry? When did the book come out? Uh, the book is, the book is like, it is, I think it's, it's like out. It just got, it just got published. Uh, I think that people should check their bookstores or, uh, you know, go online, just Google it. The trial of, the, the trial of, of George W. Bush, just Google it. Uh, I think it, it's on Amazon. Uh, that I've done. I've Googled, Googled it on Amazon. In fact, I'm going to do it right now again just to make sure. So I'm just going to Amazon, and I am going to... Uh, uh, the trial. You still there? Uh, no, I'm the worst. I'm the worst typer in the world. But I, I'm, I'm just about to get it. The trial of <laughs> Bush and. Yeah, it's on. It's on. If you, if you if you go to Amazon and you type in the trial of George W. Bush, it pop up pops up on the first page. I will tell you, there's a, another book a book called The Triumph of Nancy Reagan that's next to it, and right next to it is uh, the trial of George W. Bush on well, Amazon. Well, what's what's next, Terry? Are, are uh, you? Have you got more stories oh, to tell? Oh my God! Oh my God, Tom! I'm writing. I'm writing another book. Uh, I'm writing. I'm writing a novel that I'm having such a, such a ball with. It's called Past Is Prologue, and it's the story about baby boomers coming of age at the end of the 1960s. Now, baby boomers, as you probably know, you may even be one, are defined are all people born after World War II. So Amer America's the GIs went over and fought the, the, the Great War and won World War II, and they came back to, they came home, uh, the war was over in 1945, and what did they do? They started making babies in record numbers, and there were 76 million uh uh, baby boomers. Today, there's about 70 million still left. So, uh, baby boomers became teenagers in the late 60s. In the late 60s, around, depending on how old they were, but teenagers were between like 18 and 24 or so in 1969. And it was just a hugely turbulent year. Among other years, it was the first time uh, we, we put a man on the moon, Apollo 11. Uh, it, it was a story about w w women's lib, gay liberation, uh, putting a man on the moon. And it so happened that, the, that uh, the, the Texas and Arkansas 
were uh, were the great college football teams, and and they ended up the, Rune Arledge, the great Rune Arledge, because the, uh, 1969 was the centennial year, the 100th year of college football. Rune uh, knew that Texas and Arkansas were going to have great teams, and he guessed that they would be playing for the national championship. This is incredible, Tom. This is part of the story. So Rune Arledge in 1969, you no doubt will check this out, he, he dislodged the Texas-Arkansas game from, from its regularly scheduled week and added a week to the college football season into December, and there was only one game. He put one game on this, on this week, on this Saturday, Texas-Arkansas, and the season goes through, and Ohio State gets beat, and Michigan gets beat, and USC gets beat with O.J. Simpson and all that stuff. And Texas and Arkansas are undefeated, and they're playing in this game, and it's the only game. In t- so a lot of, of what kind of uh, uh, happens past this prologue you know, has, has a crescendo to it. And things, all of the principal characters are at the game in one way or another. Well, that's great. I, I I hope you'll come back and talk about that when that when that book comes out. My guest is uh, a seven-time Emmy Award-winning uh, television producer and director, uh, formerly, I guess, formerly of ABC Sports. Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> that's where I did it. Twenty twenty-one years at ABC Sports. And he has a new book. It's called The Trial of George W. Bush, where he stands trial at the Hague for war crimes related to uh, sending troops into Iraq and his capture of Saddam Hussein. Um, Terry, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Um, I always ask guests um, to share with listeners some way they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website, Terry? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's it's Terry Jastro, one word, T-E-R-R-Y-J-A-S-T-R-O-W, TerryJastro, one word, dot com. Well, that is easy. Terry, it's, it's, uh, that's as easy as uh, having a conversation with you. This was wonderful. Aren't you kind? <laughs> Take care, Terry. I've enjoyed it, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <laughs> For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health plan with blood technology. My community college. It's pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say just a few words about North Carolina, my home state, possibly the finest state in this entire union. We got industry of all kinds, pretty country, raise corn, cotton, tobacco, peaches, peanuts, all like that. Got colleges all over the state, fine quality, pretty girls, and run off the finest white lightning made anywhere. <laughs> hey, I see you all ain't forgot your raising. But it is, it, it's, uh, well, this, uh, this government stuff that you all use up here in New York and all, that'll kill you. It, it will, you can't tell what's in it. Here last, uh, last New Year's Eve, I was up in New York and uh, I, got, I got betrayed into drinking several, several folks' health. And uh, I was trying to be as, you know, as robust as I could about it. And uh, I kept on drinking their health, friends, till I'll tell you the truth, my own pretty near become endangered. <laughs> but, well, now that's not true about white lightning. Now you can tell what's in that because you can see through it. And I never shall forget my first swallow of it. I, I took a good one, and I swallowed her down, and she hit bottom. And, and my face turned red, and my eyes rolled back, and I gagged just a little bit. And then by and by, I got over it. And some of the boys says, how are you? And I says, boys, I'm doing fine, gaining ground all the time. And I think I've got her if she don't jump. <laughs> yes, sir. I says says, give me just a minute to rest and I'll try her again. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was one fella that lived there close to me there a while, a fella named Sam Wood. And he did, he made the best they was made anywhere around. But he had bad luck with it. He uh, seemed like every time he'd run off a batch, why he'd get caught. And he was on the county roads so long and got so old that they finally just put him to a cooking. And he was serving up the boys one night is serving up a mess of creasy salad. That's turnip greens. It's, it's not really, I just don't know what else to call them. But he is serving them up and one of them called him back. Says, Sam, says, come in. Says, there's a lizard in my greens. <laughs> Sam looked back and forth and says, hush. Says, the others will want one too. <laughs> They might be good, fixed right. <laughs> Sam, he, uh, he used to, he had bad trouble with drinking a whole lot of it too. But uh, he quit about, oh, five, six, seven years ago. And I got to talking about it with him one time. I says, Sam, did you ever have the DTs? He says, boy, I had them when they first come out. <laughs> now, I'd like to report to you here that there is excellent progress going on all over down there, even in, in the most backwoods communities at home, they're getting all kinds of modern conveniences. There was a fella that worked at the same factory that I used to with my daddy there in Mount Airy, and he come in out of the mountains one morning just as mad as he could be. And he says, Carl, says the people up there in the mountains getting to act just like the people in town. Says there's a family of them up there close to us that started putting screens on their windows. Shutting the flies out on everybody else. 
And, well, then too, I think this is pretty good. Uh, nearly all, nearly all of our local officials can read and write now. They can. And some of them do their own punctuating. They was, they was, they was one in particular that I remember. He was learning pretty good. And he is down at the barber shop reading the paper and showing off. And, well, he is, he is reading along and he says, uh, says, I see him while so-and-so paid the supreme sacrifice. And the barber says, yeah, I heard where he is killed. Says, don't say he is killed, says he paid the supreme sacrifice. It's not very funny, I just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> and we are, we are thrifty, I'm proud of that. I had an uncle one time, he said he bought him a new pair of shoes off a fella. Said he paid three dollars and a quarter for them. Pretty brown shoes. And said he put them on, and he was walking on uptown. And said he was walking along, and said his left shoe commenced to hurt him a little. And he was limping just a little bit, and said he was walking on, and he passed one of his friends. Says, what are you limping for? He says, I bought these shoes, and this left one's hurting me just a little. He says, why don't you cut them? He says, I ain't gonna cut these shoes. Says, I paid three dollars and a quarter for them. He kept on walking, there's a hurting worse, and he got studying about that thing. And he got studying, maybe that fella had something about cutting that shoe. He says, I took my knife, and I cut a little hole just about that size, right where the sore was. And he says, yeah, you know, I wouldn't took three dollars and a quarter for that hole. <laughs> well, <laughs> he told me that and I had to get up off the porch. <laughs> but now, them of you that has to live here in Washington, there's a whole lot to be admired about, about Washington too. Cherry trees, monuments, and everything like that. The main thing, though, that I admire about Washington are the pretty girls, and I'm bound to say that. They are as pretty and well-built as any I ever seen tried to fill a balloon dress. <laughs> and I love to look at them. My wife told me a long time ago, she says, you can look at the pretty girls, but don't you never touch them. And friends, I've tried to live by that. Of course, that throws me to do an extra lot of looking just to make up for that one handicap. <laughs> well, I reckon we might as well go right ahead and get right on into the service. Is the choir ready? All right. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Photograph 
He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood aside They seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of Notice I was late. Grab my coat, grab my hat, made the books and seconds flat. By my well says, and I had a smoke. Somebody spoke, and I went into a dream. trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 